everybody see note here welcome to dopamine the show that is like summer just too much sunshine today on the show we are talking about being proactive and the complexities of what that really means i think we think about that in a uh, work context and everyone's like oh we just we want a proactive person but what it what does that really mean what does it mean to be a proactive person this is another uh concept coming from seven habits of highly effective people and uh, probably the next few episodes are coming from that book because it was a lot and a lot of good stuff so proactive let's hit the button and be proactive and do the thing let's go Drums, Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to another episode of Dopamine. D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E, like, yo, that's dope. We just launched our website not too long ago at dopamine.life, D-O-P-E-A-M-I-N-E.life. And uh, you can go check that out and see if the free Myers-Briggs course is ready. I am going to be, as of this recording, it's not up, but by the time it is posted, it might be up. So go check that out. Go to dopamine.life, and if you go to the bottom I might put it at the top, too. Uh, I'm putting a free Myers-Briggs course in my email uh, list. So if you sign up for my email list, you get a uh, you get access to the free Myers-Briggs course, which is basically like a introductory explainer to Myers-Briggs and what it is and and how you can utilize it. You know, say that you took you just took the 16 personalities test, for example, and you want to you don't even know what it means. And um you know, it's kind of an explainer as to like the baseline ideas of what Myers-Briggs is and what it offers and how you can use it for personal growth and all that fun stuff. So dopamine.life, go check that out. That's an example of me being proactive. <laughs> and we're going to talk about that on this episode, being proactive. What does that really mean? Uh, I'm pulling this from Stephen Covey's book because uh, the, the seven habits of highly effective people which uh, there are some concepts that I'm going to be talking about in the next few episodes. And um, it's really been important for me to read this, to have read this book. I read this book on vacation in the Poconos, and I had some really, really intense aha moments around the idea of proactivity in particular, because being proactive essentially means that you are understanding for yourself that you are in control and one of the challenges that we face as people is that if we are fully in control, then that means we also need to take responsibility. And if we take responsibility, we can't blame other people. And if we can't blame other people, then we have to do something about the choices that we make. And that is an incredibly difficult thing for us to do on a conscious level. I think unconsciously, it is really, really easy for us to continue to pass the buck to place blame, to say that we didn't have a choice. And there are so many situations where people say that we don't have a choice in the matter when we absolutely do. There was one time 
there was a there was a woman at uh, Trader Joe's. She was in line at the cash register, and she was just talking to uh, a friend, or she was talking to the cashier rather, and she was mentioning that she was late to a friend's thing, and um, that um, she was she was panicking about being there on time. And I was like, uh, I, I said, eh, it's okay. Most people are not worried about you being on time. And she's like, well, if you have other people waiting for you, then I don't really have a choice. I have to go. I have to keep going faster. I have to, you know, I, I don't want to disappoint people. And I'm like, well, you always have a choice. <laughs> They'll be fine. It's not a big deal. And, uh, you know, you made the choice to be here. It'll be okay. You know, they'll understand. And she just like got quiet. Like it really hit her ego. Like, what, what? What do you mean? I have a choice, and I think uh, <laughs> I think I think we I think a lot of us struggle with that, with realizing that we have a choice in situations where we feel like we don't have a choice. You think about really really intense situations. Stephen Covey talks about in the book um, a couple of different situations where there were men who were in prison. One in particular who was in the um, uh, he was in the the holo- a part of the Holocaust. And then he referenced like Gandhi and Nelson Mandela and people who were in tricky situations, to say the least, that a lot of what got them through was the ability to choose how to feel, what to think, how to experience this moment. And I think for many of us, we have a challenge with finding ways to experience this moment and realizing that we have the choice to reframe how we think to reframe what we feel in a situation. I know our feelings are something that for a lot of us happen to us, but I think we have a lot more of an ability to work through those emotions on our own more than we think we do. We often feel like we have to blast emotions onto other people in order for them to get reflected back onto us and figure out how to, you know, how to, how to navigate emotions that way. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it, with extroverted feeling in the Myers-Briggs system, you could associate it with that. But I think essentially we are still responsible for the our own emotional choices, our own thinking choices, and how we choose to navigate those situations. Like we We can't always assume that we can just blast everything at, at everyone and hope for the best. We have to make a proactive choice as to what it is that uh, is going to get us the the best result. And Stephen Covey talks about the four quadrant time management system. And that time management system is in relation to what is important and urgent. And each quadrant represents a different level of, of urgency. So quadrant one, if you picture from top left to bottom right. So quadrant run one is on the top left. Quadrant two is on the top right. Quadrant three is on the bottom left. And then four is on the bottom right. On the first one is uh, items that are important and urgent. The top right are things that are important, but not urgent. The bottom left is things that are um, urgent, but not important. And then on the bottom right are things that are not important and not urgent. And for us to be proactive, we have to think about what are the things in our life that really mostly fit into quadrant two. 
which are what are the things that are important but not urgent. And those are usually things that require longer term thinking and things that are going to have the greatest impact, things that are important, things that we need to get done, but they are not urgent to the point of being a forest fire that we have to put out. Most of the time, while it's really easy to assume that, well, the quadrant run one, why isn't it? I don't know why I keep saying quadrant run. Like my, my brain goes there. Quadrant one, <laughs> the first section, let's say the first section, the first section is, uh, you would think that's important because one, number one is important, but things that are important and urgent are often the things that we experience in life that are the equivalent of having to put out fires Things that when someone comes to you with their uh, emotional problems or uh, intensely emotional problem that you have nothing to do with or um, something, somebody comes at you with work with a urgent issue that they have that you have to tackle. And usually it's things that other people are kind of presenting you with that you need to find ways to mitigate, to manage, you know, quadrant two stuff helps to manage quadrant one stuff. And so those things that are important and um, but not urgent are things that you need to recognize as priorities in your life that you need to take proactive measures because they're not urgent. You have to apply proactivity to them to get them done. There's going to be a lot of popping today on this episode because I'm saying proactive a lot and I don't have a pop filter. <laughs> so sorry about that. Um, but uh, proactivity is... Uh, important to mitigate those quadrant one things, right? So if you are applying urgency, not urgency, if you're applying priority to the importance of things that are in quadrant two in your life, you know, for me, for example, doing this podcast is important for me, but it's not urgent until I let it become urgent, right? So it's urgent for me. Uh, today, I needed to record four podcasts. I needed to record one podcast today, actually, because it's going live at midnight tonight and I didn't have one ready. That's because I wasn't proactive last week and I didn't get the podcast episode done when I could have gotten it done. Right. But now I've decided after going through a lot of these concepts of being proactive, I've decided that I would rather take this time that I have to determine that Recording four podcasts for the week, for the month, is um, an, an important matter that I need to get done. It's important because it gives me the space to work on other things. Because if I am spending the entire week working on stuff, and then Monday comes and I'm like, oh man, I need a podcast tomorrow, and I have all this other stuff on my plate, and I can't get it done because I have to stop and do the podcast, then if I... If, if I if I have a batch recording of four episodes ready for the month, which really doesn't take me that much time, it takes me four hours at most on a Monday, I can knock it out. And at the, the first Monday of the month and the entire month's worth of podcasts are done, right? That includes like creating the graphic and then posting the uh, description and scheduling and all that fu fun stuff, right? And then through batching, I can also figure out what are the urgent things within each thing that the important things within each that are allowing me to, you know, give myself a, a bit more of a streamlined approach to this so I can get it done in, in a bit more um, uh, streamlined way. 
is what I'm kind of trying to say. Anyway, point is, if I'm batching these podcasts for the month, then I'm taking a proactive approach as opposed to a reactive approach when I'm waiting for something, you know, the, the time to just show up. Right. So I'm taking these things and, and putting them um, ahead of schedule. Right. So being proactive in a way is recognizing that the podcast is important. The podcast to me is incredibly important. And if I am not recording the podcast early enough, I'm letting it become something that's urgent and goes into quadrant run or quadrant one. I did it again. Quadrant one. And it becomes something that stops the presses when I've got all sorts of other fires being, you know, being lit. Right. So these are important things. And then I'm identifying other things that are incredibly important things, but not urgent things that I haven't been doing because I've spent so much time being reactive to all the things that I feel like I need to do to, to make money, to put out fires, to whatever, right? These are all the podcast is big picture goals, doing things for the website for dopamine.life are big picture goals. I have an email sequence that I'm working on that I mentioned at the top of the show for the Myers-Briggs course. That is going to be a quadrant two item that I absolutely need to work on. That is going to be something that is going to capture leads and those leads are going to get into my email funnel and those people in the email funnel, I can serve direct content to that. They're going to be in my world and there are people that I can directly speak to. That's incredibly important, not urgent unless I make it urgent. And in a way, creating a proactive approach is about finding your own internal urgency to make it something that matters. Right. So you, I'm sure you can apply that to business contacts. You can apply it to personal contexts. Um, I've thought about this in a personal context too, with my past, with my ex-wife in how there were definitely situations where I did not take a proactive approach early on in our relationship to certain things. I did not speak my mind and did not say what I needed to say, which is another way to really think about being proactive and realizing that, um, there are things that I could have been more open about that would allow me would have allowed for at least a greater opportunity for success in that relationship. I think, uh, I had a bit of foresight into, um, certain situations that started. Well, okay. I I can be more specific. It's fine. Her sister was going to move in with us like back in 2010. I had an apartment in San Diego in Escondido and we were somewhat living together uh, and she, uh, her sister was on the West, on the East coast and wanted to move to the West coast and she didn't have a place to live. And the opportunity came up to say like, Oh, well we can get a new apartment. We can get another apartment and get a two bedroom and her sister can pay rent and all of that stuff. And I knew I had a foresight in my mind. I had the feeling that like her sister's great, but I had the foresight to know that her sister is not really the, proactive type of person to be looking for her own sense of independence. Um, my ex-wife and her family, they're very dependent on each other. They, they live all under the one, the same roof still, and they really, really enjoy each other. And I had not had as much exposure to them as I have now, but at the time I still had the feeling that 
that's kind of what they were building up to is finding a way to do that on the West Coast. And my spidey senses were tingling. And but instead of actually putting my needs first and being proactive and realizing how important this was for me and for my relationship with my ex-wife to keep a sense of integrity with our relationship, to protect that, to understand that I wanted more of a one-on-one relationship between my ex-wife and I, and my ex-wife wanted her family around, um, intensely, you know, and that was not something that was going to work. It kind of butted up against our natural, um, you know, what I needed from the relationship, which was more direct one-on-one, uh, attention. And it wasn't really working out. So I had enough personal foresight to see that this was a thing that was going to happen. But I, for some reason, and I think some of the reasons actually, um, but I, for some reason that I'll explain in a second, had felt like I could not make that choice. Like I did not have a choice there. And I felt like I didn't have a choice, but to go along with it, or there were going to be consequences. And sometimes that is the tricky part, right? Where if, when someone says, I don't have a choice, I don't have a choice usually means I have a choice, but I made a choice because there are consequences or factors at play, but you're still making a choice, right? And I think that's important for you to accept and understand that even though there are situations where you feel like there is a consequence, you're still making a choice to choose which consequence you're going to be dealing with, right? In that case, it was kind of a lose-lose situation. Uh, in, In that case, like I felt like, I felt like if I, went along with it and her sister moved in with us, which is the, the, which is what happened. Um, you know, we went down this long resentful rabbit hole that I built up a ton of resentment around that. And it became a through line in our relationship. And then I felt like on the other side, if I had said no, then there would have been intense resentment from her. And, you know, that would have not worked out either way. Um, or that, uh, you know, that, that, that it would have been just a massive strain on our relationship or she would have left and done her own thing. I don't, I don't really know. I can't predict that. But I, the thing that I knew is that what I didn't want, what I wanted, I didn't want her sister living with us because I felt pretty strongly that her sister was not going to move out. And that was true. Her sister didn't move out for six years. <laughs> so I was right there. And it was frustrating to not trust myself with that and to not make that proactive choice. But throughout the years, throughout building resentment, I had resigned the idea that I had even made a choice in that moment, right? Again, going back to the idea that I could say to myself, I didn't have a choice, but I had a choice and I made a choice. I chose the consequence there, right? And I think what, what is kind of, uh, the, the running through line for me is my relationship with women in my life and how my relationship with myself in relation to women kind of allowed me the excuse to resign my needs to the needs of the woman in my life, which is a challenge and kind of probably another episode and on its own. But um, I was feeling... And, and it was kind of the result of why the relationship even started to begin with. Like I kind of, I, um, I mean, I, I, I loved my ex-wife. Like I, I, 
I was totally enamored by her. I appreciated her, but I realized that she wasn't into me anywhere near as much as I was into her. She just liked that I was willing to give her as much attention as I was giving her because I felt I had fed myself the narrative that in order to get attention from women in my life, I needed to resign all of my needs, all of my personal desires, anything that I wanted for myself didn't matter as much as what I could provide or give to her. And really just like saying yes and providing resources and, and, uh, you know, doing anything that she wanted, which include having her sister live with us was, um, you know, I think if I had a healthier relationship with myself in connection to myself and then women in my life, I think I would have been more likely to say no in that circumstance and take a proactive stance, uh, with that situation and save my, myself seven years of resentment, maybe even not get divorced. I mean, ultimately I'm happy with where I am now. Like I've got the best love I've ever experienced in my life, but that, that is a weird thing to look back on and see as a point of reconciliation to look at and say, as much as I felt like, and have fed myself the narrative that I did not have a choice in that moment, I did have a choice and I made a choice and I'm just as responsible as anything that happened after that. I'm not resigning uh, to the idea that my, my ex-wife didn't have anything at play there, but I need to accept what was my responsibility in that moment. And that was whether or not I decided to say yes or no. And the consequence that I chose by realizing that. The NFL playoffs have arrived, and we have you covered each day on Outkick's Hot Mike with Hudson Withrow. Some of the best football guests break down the biggest matchups from Armando Salguero and Donovan McNabb to Ryan Leaf and Bobby Carpenter, plus the top headlines and reaction to each playoff weekend. So Chad, which quarterback ascends to that next level? The Brock Purdy, Dak Prescott, Tua is on this list. Got to be Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah, it's I think, his time right I now. think so. Yeah, it's, it's his time to shine. He's done it in the regular season. He's won MVP. He's going to win it again. It is time for him to win in the playoffs. Playoffs are also a time to shine for Patrick Mahomes. Can he and the Chiefs offense figure it out in order to repeat this playoff season? There's plenty of craziness on a week-to-week basis, so pull up the bar with us each weekday wherever you listen to your podcast. NFL and more covering your favorite teams. Outkicks Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. By thinking that I didn't have a choice. All right. Welcome back. Hope you made it through that 30 second commercial. I know, I know. Commercials suck, but, you know, we got to pay the bills. It's fine. I don't really even get a lot of money from those things. I just, it's something. I need something. And uh, I'm trying to make life happen. But if you want to mitigate those commercials, um, you know, if we can hit our goal on Patreon, that would certainly help. Patreon.com slash dopamine to go uh, contribute there, uh, where I would love to be able to provide some more exclusive content. If I had the wiggle room to do it, but for now I've been posting, uh, episodes that are commercial free on there. So you can get commercial free episodes the Friday before this show goes live, uh, publicly. And you can hear the show a few days early 
and without ads. So some pretty rad perks to begin with for only as little as a dollar to contribute to the Patreon account. So patreon.com slash dopamine. Um, <clears throat> so I want you to ask yourself, uh, what are the moments in your life where you are being reactive versus proactive? I think about it. I've been thinking about it a lot in my work context and I think it's been affecting how I view my to-do list as well. Lately, I think the latest thing that I'm thinking about and that I'm wrestling with is that my to-do list gets longer and longer as there are just, you know, more ideas, more things to do and more clients coming in, which is great. Uh, right now I'm in a weird situation where I've got a lot of client work to do, but it's already been paid for and I've already used all the money. <laughs> so I have to fulfill those things, but because I spent a lot of time being reactive, meaning something jumped to the top of the pile and I cleared off the top of the pile every time, but I was not able to get deeper into the older stuff. And now I have to go back and do the older stuff where my older clients are waiting for stuff that they've already paid for. And I haven't had the opportunity to go back to do it. And the truth is I haven't been proactive in making the right choices. I haven't been going through the motions of handling the, the right opportunities and handling the right amount of, of stuff that's, that needs to be handled. Right. And I, I think, I think it's tricky in my context because I had a lot of things literally fall in my lap at the same time. And that was a, a challenge to navigate. And uh, it was really great. I think I, I, I had some, I was able to pay bills for a few months and um, right now in July, I'm kind of freaking out because there's no other money coming in. And um, I'm really trying to find a way to continue to be proactive in the face of such difficult adversity as money issues, right? Having money issues just makes you think, okay, well, I can't look at that pile right now. I have to I have to handle the quadrant one thing right now, which is the urgency and important thing of getting money for me to be able to afford groceries and to pay child support because my license is going to be suspended again or to handle all of these things that keep coming my way that appear to be urgent things, right? Or that I did not prioritize my child support because I didn't have the money that, and now my, um, my, my license is going to be suspended again, which becomes a quadrant one thing that I have to find a way to handle, right? Or at least find a way to like cast aside so that I can, you know, figure out a quadrant two solution to it so that I can, you know, keep, keep the wolves at bay. It's kind of another way to think about it. It's like, I'm trying to keep the, the wolves at bay, the quadrant one, the wolves at way at bay <laughs> so that these urgent things aren't popping up. And that means making sure that I'm not uh, freaking out about money and I'm not freaking out about making sure that my license is valid um, because I am or am not able to pay my child support. Right. So quadrant two things, the important but not urgent things are in service of getting more money in life. And that means managing the right relationships uh, with clients in particular, the way that I prioritize or need to prioritize rather, and I haven't been doing as well 
is to make sure that I'm serving the clients that are, in a sense, going to be the best relationships that I need to nurture. There are some clients that are like, it's kind of a one-off thing or like a small thing, and it's, it's not that big of a deal, not that important. I think every, every client relationship is important. That's not what I'm saying here. But there are some that are going to be more obvious, bigger opportunities than others. And that means, you know, if there's someone that's paid me 500 bucks for a video and they have a retreat that they do every few months and this video is of the video they've taken at that retreat, then chances are when they do another one, they're going to send me more video and they might be able to, you know, I might be able to get more gigs that way. So that more likely puts them at the top of the pile. That is a, even though she's come to me in this particular instance and said like, look, it's not urgent, but to me it's important, right? To me it's important because it could be a project that it's a continuous client, continuous project, and it could lead to more ideas and more things that are happening. Right? So even though the client might not say that it's important or it might not say that it's urgent, I have to assign urgency for myself to make it a priority and make it important. Um, Because it's important for her. It's important for her to, as a way to share the experience, to to get more clients, to share with her group. Um, But it's also something that is important to me for potentially getting more work in the future. So I need to take a little bit of extra time to prioritize my to-do list based on that stuff, you know, and I've had a general issue with my to-do list, um, with feeling like my to-do list, like has a goal to it, like meaning that like my to-do list is supposed to be empty, but it's, it's, that's not the case at all. Um, it's just about managing where these things fall and I can keep adding things to the to-do list, right? You keep adding things to this quadrant list, but it's about assigning the things that are on your to-do list to those different quadrants. And I think that's something that I need to do actively is making sure that I'm listing what these things are or, or putting a divider line or something, some way to say like, okay, these are quadrant two things. These are quadrant one things. And then, you know, three and four are things that are just really, we want to avoid even going to that place at all, right? Quadrant three things are uh, things that are urgent, but not important, which are usually, uh, usually some sort of natural feeling that's distracting, right? Like scrolling through feeds and things that feel urgent to us, like, oh, there's a new trailer, I need to stop what I'm doing, I need to watch it, like stuff like that. And then there are things that are not urgent and not important at all, which are usually just kind of sitting around and being lazy and watching TV and, and, um, completely wasting time. Right. Uh, so you can think of quadrant three things as notifications and quadrant four things, things that you're responding to and notifications. And then quadrant four things are things that are not even seeking your attention. It's almost like avoidant energy. I mean, it's one, it's different than like if you're relaxing at home and you're chilling out and you're having a good time and whatever. Like there's nothing that's important right now. There's nothing that's urgent. You're enjoying yourself, but through the course of your day and the course of like when you're trying to be productive and you're trying to get things done and you have things on your to-do list, identifying those things that are on your list as urgent, uh, not urgent, not important or urgent and not important are, you know, those are important to understand. (laughs) So making a list of things that fall into each quadrant is a quadrant two thing, (laughs) interestingly enough. So 
finding a way to manage that to-do list for me in a way that uh, inherently gives these list things that you're not just following it in like a chronological order or you're not just following it in some sort of arbitrary um, uh, through line or whatever, that getting these things done uh, in the order of priority based on what's going to have the biggest impact, what's going to mitigate quadrant one things from entering your to-do list at all are going to be really, really important for you to, to think about. Now this is going to depend on your context and what it is you need from this stuff. But, uh, you know, for me, it's like, for me, it's about uh, like getting the idea of the money pressure out of my head. Cause that's what brings the most stress to my life every single day. And I found most of the time when I'm doing quadrant two things, the money just comes, the money happens. It, it's kind of, it sounds ethereal, but like if you're really focusing on those things that are important and not urgent, they allow you to set up systems. You're setting up ways for people to get to know you better. You're setting up podcast episodes that are just scheduled and automated that give you room so that the podcast itself doesn't become an urgent thing. Like quadrant two things can become quadrant one things if you're not handling them when they're important but not urgent right like right now all of those that example i gave you of that video that is seeping into quadrant one urgency because it's something i haven't tackled in a while and i think for me in my head i naturally know that there is that these things will transform into urgent things if i don't tackle them like there are a couple things on my list right now that used to be um, quadrant two things of things that were not urgent, but they're important. And because I put them off, because I didn't personally give them priority, I did not make the proactive choice to make them a priority. Now they're seeping into and becoming quadrant one urgent and uh, important things that don't feel like that, that are compiling and becoming frustrating and becoming stressful and not giving me room to do other things. So right now what I'm doing is some quadrant two things that are giving me the headroom to be able to tackle some of those quadrant one things. So recording this podcast and recording four episodes for the month of July is giving me the headroom to work on quadrant one things, right? So these quadrant one things that I could have handled months ago, honestly, I did not prioritize because I did not understand their value. I did not understand how I was not being proactive and honestly working through that situation where I understood with my ex-wife that I wasn't being proactive in that moment was like this big aha to me because it's like, I always feel, I feel like I'm being a proactive person, right? I feel like I'm, I get things done, right? But I, some, there was a connection point when I started reading about proactivity and the nuances of it, where I realized that, no, I haven't been. Most of my career has been about reactivity. Most of my career, I've worked in news, I've worked in film marketing, and those are all fast-paced jobs. When people are trying to sell you on the idea of like, this is a fast-paced environment, they're actually just saying it's a quadrant one environment where everything is urgent and on fire, <laughs> right? And those are the situations that I've worked in. And I think I inherently knew how frustrating those things are, and I don't want to. But 
taking that into a freelance world is not helpful at all. I need to be way more proactive when I'm freelancing. If you're starting your own business in any kind of way, you need to be way more proactive because this thing in a lot of ways, so many things need to function without your specific attention, right? Especially if you're trying to build a business as an entrepreneur, there are things that are going to not need your personal attention uh, over time, or you're going to get sick of it, or you're going to be putting out fires and you're not going to be able to have time to build the business in the way that you want to. Right. So quadrant two stuff are the things that are helping you build the business that are not just reactionary things. So for me, like I said, I used to work in news, so I would get all sorts of like last minute news stories. And I got really good. I got really good at handling quadrant one stuff. But there's only so much stress that we can take. There's only so much of that we can handle. And I think what's been helpful for me is like, I can apply that framework. I can apply that mindset to quadrant two stuff. Like I, I can apply what I've learned by being so reactive for so long to proactive things. Like I can work faster in a proactive way. I can, since I've been so honing my skills at being so fast at design and editing and all of this stuff that the, the idea of vid 60, for example, vid 60 is this, this, um, local product that I've been pushing that is about helping small businesses create a 60 second video for a hundred bucks. That is, um, you know, that takes 60, 60 minutes of my time. I shoot for an hour and I edit for an hour. And as long as I maintain a sense of my own personal sense of urgency and recognizing how important and uh, how important this is, and that I can prioritize it, then I can get it done. If I put it off, it eventually becomes an urgent thing because then the client starts asking for it. And then I'm just reacting. Then I have to drop everything I'm doing and I have to get this thing done when I don't want to get it done. Right? So quadrant two things is about understanding and creating a synthetic, synthetic sense of urgency in relation to how you prioritize, you prioritize based on the value of the relationship, the, the value of your time, the value of your stress level, and really respecting yourself at the end of the day, finding a way to make sure that you're valuing the importance of your time, your energy, and all of that. So vid 60 was working because I would go shoot, and then I would come home and I would edit for an hour, they'd pay me pretty much right away. And it was done. Right? Like, it was important, but it wasn't urgent. It wasn't urgent in the sense that the client was not rushing me. The client was often satisfied. They said like, wow, you edited this the same day or you got it the next day. They're like, this is great. Thank you. And getting that important thing done meant that they were more likely to give me more work because they just saw how quick it was done and how, um, you know, how valuable it is to them. And to me, it, it was just, it was not about putting out a fire. It's not about being reactive. It was about being proactive. It was about getting it done before it needed to be done. That's the, that's the thing, getting it done before it needed to be done and realizing. So, so I guess if we can wrap this up, those are the two things to think about getting it done before it needs to be done and realizing that you have a choice, right? You have a choice to get it done before it needs to be done. And I, I guess that's the core thing, right? Is that you have a choice. Proactivity is not about getting things done. Proactivity is not just about uh, a work context. Proactivity is about realizing that you as a human being, you have a choice between, between you in a stable control state and something happening, 
you have a choice to react to that thing happening and how you react to that thing happening. There is, that is the unique thing that we as humans have for ourselves versus any other living thing that exists. Human animals will react to something. You, you hit something, an animal will react to it. Whereas a human, we have the sentient opportunity to hear a loud noise or to um, have something happen in our lives and decide that we can make a choice to do something about it or to not do something about it. We have a choice either way. We have, we have the decision and to recognize in way more choice and way more opportunities than we think we do that we have a choice. I think that is incredibly valuable as incredibly important for us. And especially in those situations where you feel like you don't have a choice, you have a choice. You've just subconsciously made a choice and you've, you've made a choice between two things. You're always making a choice. That is the, that is a thing that we just do. We're always making decisions and not making a decision is also a decision, right? So, okay. Rest with that. That's a lot to think about. And that's a lot more than I thought I was going to get out of this episode and this concept, but proactivity, being proactive, making choices and getting ahead of it. And, you know, relating this to the to-do list has actually been an aha moment for me during this episode also, which is great. So I'm going to kind of re, uh, readjust my to-do list a little bit. And I'm working on establishing a healthy relationship with my to-do list, a healthy relationship with myself, my personal sense of responsibility, and, um, you know, finding a way to realize that uh, I'm always in control. So if you ever have the opportunity to think retrospectively or in the moment about how you are in control and what choices you have to make, especially in like social contexts and little day-to-day things that we get upset about and we waste energy on. We are making a choice to be upset about that. Sorry, but you are, (laughs) you can deal with, you can, you can find ways to be better, to work through it. You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice. You have a choice, 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 choice. All right. I'm wrapping up. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of Dopamine. You can hit me up at Let's Go C-Note on all the social channels. If you'd like to go to dopamine.life and check out the website, uh, tell me what you think. There's also a link there to the free Myers-Briggs course, or there should be if I'm being proactive by the time this episode goes up. (laughs) There's a link to the proactive, uh, the Myers-Briggs introductory course, uh, which I'm affectionately calling Myers-Briggs Easy Mode. And it is a email course, uh, audio course, where there'll be some some written stuff in the email as well. But uh, it's mostly an audio thing where uh, I explain Myers-Briggs. And it's an introductory thing to let you know what the dichotomies are and how to uh, understand what each letter means and how to relate it to your story. And especially if you're going to start learning to do, if you want to do profiling and all of that stuff with personality hacker, uh, this is a good way to get started too. Uh, cause they teach a lot of the same things really. And I learned a lot of what I learned from them. Uh, yeah, from them. So 
uh, dopamine.life. You can sign up there for the email list and you'll get other emails and all that fun stuff. And you'll be in my world and it'll be great. I'm excited for you to be here. So if you like this episode, if there are things in this episode that have resonated with you or you feel like a friend could really use, please pass it along to them. Share it on your social channels. Let me know what you think. Tag me in the post. That would be amazing at Let's Go C Note and all of that fun stuff. So go pro preactive. Think go, go pro preactive. <laughs> Sounds like a like a medication. Proprioactive. Get it in your butt. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, I'm just, uh, this is too much. All right. Uh, go be proactive in your life. Make choices and get ahead of things. Don't just wait until it becomes an urgent thing. You can live a Zen life. Do good stuff. All right. I'm wrapping up. I appreciate you guys. Take care of yourselves and each other, and I'll catch you next time on Dopamine. See you, bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine and providing your support for this show. I really, really appreciate it. If you really love this show, leave a review on iTunes and Stitcher to show some love for the podcast. You can also check out cnote.media to check out my work and my courses. But um, with that, we'll catch you next time. See you guys later.